Matt, I have to say that you've uh, you've leveled up the coffee. You've come a long way. This coffee is uh... well. You know, here's what happened. I, I my wife asked me. For... Don't lie. First of all, <laughs> let's get this out. Like, don't make spin this story about how you got to this perfect cup of coffee. I've got to tell you the truth. Okay. My, my wife wanted a a milk frother for Christmas. It's the one thing I forgot. So I get to my friend Tracy's place. We go over there for a little bite to eat on the 26th, just dropping some gifts off. And she says, do you want coffee? I said, yes. She says, do you want your milk froth? Well, that was my, the trigger word of froth. I looked at my wife. My wife knew that I hadn't got out of the frother. So she's got this cool frother on Amazon, 52 bucks, ordered it. It was, came yesterday. You're like the second cup of coffee that I've made with it. Really? And it's good. It is damn good, man. Right? Even the decaf turns out nice. So yeah, this is nice I, frothy coffee. Yeah. I, uh... Frosty I expect heats. this like every time now. I think so. Hope you might you're... have to play me a tune for it though, because it's that good. You might have to go over and play me a tune in a bit. Okay. Well, we haven't done a show for a while, Chris. We just got back from lunch, you and I, talking about life. Yeah. Uh, I like Vietnamese soup pho. I think it's pronounced pho. And, uh, pho. I couldn't even finish it today. It no, it was a massive bowl, man. I'm not going to... Yeah, you just got to be honest with it. You You did a pretty good dent on it. Well, and I knew all the... I think I wasn't hungry because I knew I was going to lie to you about needing the ride from the restaurant. Yeah, that was... So my wife dropped awkward. me off, for those of you who are just wondering why, it dropped me off. I didn't tell Chris I'm going to need to ride back to my house from the restaurant. But, um, yeah, whatever. It's good. It was awkward, but it was a short drive. Christmas, good. How was it? It was really good. Amazing. Yeah. Get everything you wanted. Santa was good to you? Yeah, it was just, you know, family, friends... Uh, it just, it was, it was great. Relaxing. Yeah. So. Yeah. What, and do you do something on the 25th? Is that your, like, in we the morning? Did, you have a Santa no, Claus No, we did, comes uh, and, actually, 24th. Okay. We do the, uh, the big dinner on the 24th and then, um, open gifts after midnight. Nice. We have a big party on the 24th, invite people over. A lot of sick people this year didn't didn't show up, but it was nice. Um, my daughter sang some tunes with me, came and played some nice. tunes. Yeah, had some carols. That was pretty cool. Awesome, man. So the 24th, is, yeah, we've always done that. But then for two years, of course, COVID took the window. So you do sales. like a party on the 24th and then you do the dinner on the 25th. We don't do the dinner on the 25th. I was playing, I, had, I gig at the Hotel McDonald that night. So I did dinner, but not with my family alone playing for people I didn't know at a beautiful hotel. So it was great. It was a great gig. So I nice. mean, the sa- I had the salmon, if you're wondering what I had, but they had this yep. buffet there that goes on for miles. Really? Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Nice. And the weird thing, that was a funny gig because on the last, they have two seatings. The last seating, I always walk around, I always ask requests with the audience and what they want to hear. Mostly it's Christmas songs. But at the end, I went to th- three tables. One said, play your favorite song. So I didn't know what that was going to be. Another lady said, play some Elton John. So I went over and played um, uh, Benny and the Jets. And then another lady said, do you play Billy Idol? I said, this is Christmas night. She goes, oh, okay. Well, I said, no, no, it's okay. So I played White Wedding. I thought, well, that's Christmassy, white, snow. Okay. So are you dreaming of a white wedding Christmas? That works. So, yeah, I played Billy Idol and Elton John at the end. And then uh, a guy tipped me uh, 20 bucks and played Great Balls of Fire. I mean, this is a beautiful, elegant the Empire Ballroom, for those of you who don't know, just Google it online. It's a gorgeous from 1905 or something. Yeah, early right? 1900s for sure. Yeah. And I'm playing Jerry Lewis to end Christmas night, singing Great Balls of Fire. 
Yeah. That seems like it should be a new tradition. It is yes. not going to be ever. Yeah. So anyway, that was fun. That's how we did um, Christmas. You know, we have ki our kids come in and tell us all the things we did wrong as parents, all that stuff. You yeah, know? of course. Yeah. And so I, I use January to recover from all the comments that were made about my parenting. Yeah. That's, that's isn't that works. called uh, isn't it the Seinfeld Festivus? <laughs> Is, is yeah, that what it is? I think that's what it is. I think so. Oh, and I watched, uh, uh, of course, we watch Christmas Vacation every year. You have to. Uh, and what's her name? Julia Frey, whatever, who is, uh, what's her name in Seinfeld? Uh, we do this. Hey, we start the record, hit the record button, and we can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Julie Dreyfus? Dreyfus? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so she's in it, right? Yeah. She's uh, Elaine. She's young. She's much younger. Yeah, it's always a good. But I found a glitch in that movie, though. Next time you watch it, you know when he takes the chainsaw and cuts the null post off the top? Yeah. Null post fixed, and he goes down the stairs. Well, later on, when they're having the squirrel scene, you look upstairs, that null post is still back on the thing. Come on. Yeah. That is, that is bad continuity, so I'm never watching it again. We usually watch, that one's a great one, we usually watch Crumpus. What is Crumpus? Crumpus. Like never heard horror. of Oh, it's a it's horror. It's like a, it's a legend. Do you like I, I believe, like believe from, from Germany... Um, and I can't remember if they'd work together, but basically all the bad kids would get visited by Krumpus. It was like this. Yeah. You got to watch this it. This is a real movie. It's a real movie. Yeah. It's actually really well done. Um, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, but yeah, it's, it can, it can be dark, <laughs> a little bit dark, but it's, we love it. That's hilarious. Yeah, Check it out. It you could there. watch it now, actually. Well, I saw a trailer for something called Violent Night for Christmas, and it seems like it was Santa being a vigilante. So you got to wonder if they're at what point Santa is going to snap, though. He's been doing this gig for a while. It's a long time. So at what point does he just lose it? Well, okay, that I'll, I'll take that side of it. But what about the other side where he gets? He should appreciate the fact that at least he gets to work one day. He works one day a year, like truly, but. What's the prep on that one day, though? That's true. Here's a question for you, a trivia question for you. How many times before he gets in his sleigh does Santa physically handle the list? Now think about it. Think about the song. How many times does he physically handle the list? You won't get it. It's impossible for you to get this question. Yeah, I have... Well, a lot of people think checking it twice. They think, well, he's touched it. No, is he's making a list, so he's already touched it once. Checked Checking it twice, it twice. So three times he's actually interacted with the list. Yeah. Well, here's another one for you. How many notes are in Happy Birthday? Oh, come on, man. No. How many notes? I don't know. 25, 26, or 27? 26. Well, there's about 26. Uh, depend, but it depends on the person's name. If you have a three-syllable name, da 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 ba da then all of a sudden you've got more notes. So no one actually knows the amount of notes of Happy Birthday because it depends on the person's name. Bob or Bartholomew would be, you know, bumping up like 28 notes. So a little bit of trivia to start oh, off our, our show here today. Uh, we have a new mic we want to try out. So do you want to earn that coffee and go over there and try something? It's a whole... It's all eight feet over the piano. So we have a, a little microphone here because we want to improve our quality of our uh, recordings. When our piano is about eight feet from us, we have to walk away to it. 
but it's a nice Yamaha Grand, and uh, this should, I think this is going to help out a lot. So, Chris, maybe some, yeah, see, that's better already. Hear me. Absolutely. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, this is our Christmas New Year's show. Chris, how about a little bit of Olang Zine to get us in the New Year's mood? For those of you who um are listening and tuning in. Thanks so much. This is our sixth episode. Uh, that's beautiful, Chris. Keep going. Oh, that's nice. Uh, wish you a happy new year to you and yours. Hope it's an amazing new year. I think as we move farther and farther away from the COVIDness that happened to us, we get, uh, it just gets better and better. So we do hope that for your friends and family for 2023 is an amazing, um, really amazing time for you. That was lovely. Did you write that? No, no, I did not. No, that's beautiful. Yeah, so I think that's going to be a nice mic. So whenever we go back and forth to the piano to do little illustrations, one day we're going to get two pianos in here and get it figured out. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, we'll just use that. I think that's going to pick up nicely. It'll be good. So when you go okay, when you go sit down at the piano, and I, I don't even tell you ahead of time what you're going to do, what do you think about key? Do you think about the feel? Do you think about the tune? you want to make it bluesy this time? you want to make it jazzy? Or, or what do you do in your head? I'll just come to you. Uh, don't lie. I can't lie. I cannot lie. I can't lie. That is a good question. I don't think I was really, as soon as I sat down at the piano in this setting, I don't know. I just felt bluesier. Okay. So I think that's, that's what happened. A little hairy conicness in that. But I, I don't, there's always that, you know, if someone in the set setting, like if you would have said, why don't you play us a tune? I don't, you know, a ton of stuff would be going through my head right. as far as style, what actual tune. Um, but in this instant, I just kind of looked at it as kind of trying out the mic. So I wasn't really thinking. Oh, you weren't playing seriously. You're just kind of. That was kind of half, half you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I can't lie. I was half assing it. Well, I'm gonna I want to show you something I did at Christmas, because one of the, one of the things I find playing a lot of shows, uh, audiences don't listen. Sometimes they just they're just enjoying, and that's not a bad thing if they're just enjoying as well. I'm gonna put this microphone on me, um, but I'm gonna show you something I did at the hotel on uh, Christmas Day. This is a little version of. Uh, well, I'll let you hear it yourself. So, what happens is people don't listen. They sit there talking away playing all kinds of stuff and they're just having a nice time and that and they should and then so here's what I did for Christmas a little medley nice so all of a sudden there's this group of, of people from like, what, what like Coolio is what, ni 90s? That's got to be 90s, mid 90s. Yeah. So now they're into it, right? Now they're like, what is that? And then uh, throwing the Christmas song. So I like doing that, med the medley stuff. And it really engages. There's always somebody that seems to be engaged when you, uh, 
you know, you can tap into, I had a guy the other day at an event and he's sitting there with his mom. His mom's like 90 and he asked for a uh, crazy train by Ozzy Osbourne as a joke, but it's Christmas music, right? So we did crazy train into white Christmas or something. You just kind, oh, of, nice. kind of blurred it together. And so it's kind of fun. It's fun for the challenge for me. Cause sometimes if you're playing a lot of tunes yeah. over and over, it's fun to have that challenge. Do you like requests that people come up and asks you for? Yeah. Makes yeah. you feel connected. Yeah. It's definitely gives you that connection between you and the, the listener for sure. Yeah. And it, um, I mean, you do that way more than I do um, in those settings, but um, it's always nice to give, to try to give those listeners something that they want. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I've experienced, if I don't know the tune, they're still very uh, respectful and, you know, pleased of what you're doing, you know, in that setting. So, yeah, there's a, there's a sense of gratitude. Most people have a sense of gratitude yeah. for, I had a tip the other day, a guy came up and he just been on vacation in Mexico and he dropped a 50 on my piano. I'm like, Oh man, it says 50 on it, 50 pesos, which is about 225. I think at that on Christmas, I about 225 Canadian. I think but so. I, yeah. I saw the 50. I was like, yeah. And it was a smaller bill. The peso is a smaller. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I got a 50, 50 peso uh, tip the other day. Yeah, tips are funny. Hey, do you remember getting tips at the restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always kind of hope hope someone will come by. And and at the end of the night, with this the other night, I had, they had quite, a, quite a lot of tips at the end of the second seating. So there was all these tips on the piano. And a guy came by who'd asked for a bunch of songs. And they, oh, he's going to tip too. He's going to see all the money there. He's going to tip too. And so I goes, oh, let me, I said, let me get this out of the way because he wanted a picture. So I pushed all the tips back into the, into the piano, hoping that he'd see and go, oh, I guess I should tip too. He didn't tip. He just like, he saw it all. Come on. Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah. I got no words, no words for that. But you know what? You had a lot of tips. So maybe, maybe he looked at it like the guy doesn't need. He doesn't know if I, if I was seating it though. Cause that's what you do as a piano player too. You see the. You know, you walk into the piano bar and it's 5.30. That guy hasn't got a tip yet, but there's a 20 sticking out. Yeah, Come he's on. seated. You got to seat it. That's true. You got to seat it important. as well. You know, and you want people to know that they can, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to give you a tip. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. Buy some Christmas presents. Um, speaking of Christmas, so shows, how did they go for you? Not bad. I did. It wasn't super busy, but um, there was some some good shows uh, I did a show at the Yardbird Suite. It's a tribute to Big Miller. Oh, wow. Um, his 100th birthday celebration. And Big Miller was uh, was a, a legend around here. But yeah, also, give a bit of background on, on him. He uh, came from the States and... Um, Tommy brought him up, I think, didn't he? No, he was actually... Uh, what's the story? He was on tour with John Hendricks from Hendrix, uh, why am I blanking on it? Famous voc- vocal group. He was on tour with that band and they got, they hit Vancouver and the tour disbanded, disbanded at that point. So oh. Big ended up staying in Canada and then I'm not sure how he got connected into Edmonton, but then he moved, he loved the scene and this would have been in the 70s. Yeah. So a lot of work and a lot of great players and great music happening. And you played with Big? 
Yeah, yeah. that was one of my first gigs. <laughs> uh, a lot of us out of McEwen had the chance to play with Big on some gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was amazing. You know, and there's recordings that you can find where with some really heavy musicians he played with Basie. Yeah, to, like. It's a really big deal. So anyways, uh, it was put together by Dave Babcock, who sax player, band leader in town. And yeah, it was two nights. We had great crowds both nights and it was just like, really enjoyable. Nice. There's some other gigs that got, I had some a string of three gigs that got canceled, um, which was kind of a drag, but... Uh, it was also nice because I was well, Chris. The, you know, you wear a speedo to a gig one time; they don't have you back. It's sort of the rule. It's an unwritten rule, but it's there. But it's weren't you? There. Didn't you tell me it was okay? Depending on the color, you wore the color saran. Not a good color for a speedo. You know, okay, like I'm that. I'm learning. You'll get there. Uh, yeah. So you got to invite me to those shows. I'd come check those out. And you've got something coming up. Well, I want to get there. I got. Can I tell you my big Miller story? Yeah, tell it. So we came out of McEwen and I came out in 92 and uh, my friend Carol Johnson, sax player, knew the guy who, or no, Tino, Tino Zolfo yep. was a bass player and he knew the guy who owned the Italian restaurant the big was singing at. So we were this little quartet and we got, it was me and Carol playing saxophone, Tino playing bass, uh, I forget who the drummer was. But we were so nervous, just so nervous. And we had this rehearsal with Big, so we got the, the music ahead of time. We are rehearsing all the stuff. And there was this one tune we were doing with him rehearsing. Uh, it was don't, um, do, 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 all by myself, uh, Ain't Misbehaving. And for some reason, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't get the shot, something happened. And so when Big left the rehearsal, we said, guys, we're hiding that chart. We're not going to do that. So when he calls it, we don't have it because there was no way we were going to get it. And Tino, we all agreed. that. Was, so we kept it. So then we get to the gig, it was Friday night, and my sister came, she came with my nephew and, and um, my sister's husband, and they're sitting there and playing a couple tunes, and then it must have been like maybe half a set in, and Big says, he calls, Amos misbehaving. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, Big, we don't seem to have that. And we all look through, and I said, Tina, do you have it? No, we don't have it, we pretended we didn't have it. He goes, that's weird, I thought we rehearsed it. No, we don't have that chart. And so he takes his car keys out and calls my nephew, Trevor, over. He says, Trevor, my car's out front. There's a big envelope of extra charts there. Bring those in. I'm like, oh, no. So we brought in the charts for Ain't Misbehaving, and we horribly crucified the song. I can't believe He actually you. had the extras. Yeah. So there, yeah, it was like karma, big karma. Don't mess around with him. Uh, but what was cool about that night, it, I, like I was so new, and he said, you, you know, he's talking about tapping my foot, and I shouldn't tap my foot, he said. And so he got on the drums and actually showing us just rhythmic placement how to set the groove for certain things. He goes, you got to feel it. And he was singing behind the drums and playing. You got, he was, the restaurant's full and he's actually teaching us yeah, yeah. a groove. It was so cool. Yeah, he was pretty, pretty special man. Yeah. yeah. Neat, neat guy. Oh yeah, 100%. And I think some of those, some of those players, they want, they want you to, and they're okay with you asking, spending time, getting information. They don't think it's a sign of weakness that you're asking. And if you're a student and you're thinking, oh, should we, can we ask? Yeah, ask those older cats, you know, as oh, much yeah. stuff. And so many of them, I guarantee 90% of them will be like, yeah, let's talk. Let's, you want to go for coffee and they want to help, right? So. Yeah, they want to share their knowledge and their, their experience. Um, and there's, there is such a wealth of knowledge. Like, I mean, that, that guy was hanging with some of the heaviest mm -hmm. players on the planet. Yeah. And touring around and just 
experiencing that and hearing him tell those stories, man. Oh, they got stories. Yeah. And he got a park named after him too. So he did well. He did do well. Yeah. The big Miller park here in Edmonton. Uh, I think you'll get a park. I think you might get a Chris. Andrew. I'm not going to get a park. Well, you might get a slide. You know what? If I get, get a swing set, no, what would you get? If I get a park or anything, I will come back from the dead <laughs> and burn it down. I will. You, you mark my words in this. It's okay, now documented. Say, you, you, unless you edit this out, but I am saying I will come back from the dead <laughs> and say, I am not worthy. This is. What, okay, what about a sandbox? A Chris Andrews sandbox? Would you at least accept a sandbox? How about a brand of kitty litter? <laughs> I'll take that. That's what I'll do. And now it's been documented. So yeah, Chris Band, Chris Brand Kitty Litter. You can only buy it at Walmart. Maybe the odd pet store, but mostly on the Walmart change. You're getting a park. Yeah. I know, I'm pushing no, for no. it. If I'm still around, you're getting a park, man. Yeah, you're getting a park. And it'll it'll be yeah, it'll be awesome. There'll be a, like a Jeep there kind of sculpted in and kids can play on it. <laughs> Graffiti. <laughs> So Christmas shows, uh, I had a ton. I had 24 shows in December and a couple were virtual, but I, I've diversified. I tried to diversify a lot. So I've got some piano shows, some vocal to, vocal shows, which I'm enjoying a lot more, uh, singing a lot more, and then uh, emceeing events and just kind of you know doing those those things. And, and a couple of events were just bring uh, some sound gear in, emcee a bit, and then play some DJ music at the end of the night. So I'm like, well, that's cool. So if you are getting into music and wondering how to diversify, then... Think of the other things you can bring um, as as an ability or as a skill or as a resource for your event planner. And it's a great way to get hired for yeah. more stuff or just say, oh, add this on for, you know, 500 bucks, I'll bring this and do this extra thing. And you might only have to be playing some background music or, or whatever, bringing some lights and those kinds of things. It depends how much you want to do. But for me, I like doing that, all that setup Yeah, stuff. you found a really nice uh, pathway into that, um, which is great. And I think that becomes even more important these days as opposed to, you know, 30, 40 years ago. You you could just be specifically you could do this. Yeah. But to, and I think the key um, point with you is you also enjoy those different elements as well, which shows in obviously you getting rehired, but just the reputation of that. So I think that's that's great. I think I'll get a park. Yeah, I think you're going to get more than a park, man. Really? Yeah. A bridge? You might get a bridge. Even a little bridge, even a footbridge down in the valley. You know, the Matt Day footbridge. The dogs will go across that thing. And yeah, you know, they are, they're redoing uh, the footbridge <laughs> in the ravine by my house. So that old, it's an old rickety, yeah. That, that would be it, perfect. I'd be happy with, with that. That could happen. In the wintertime, wouldn't it be cool if that was my bridge and it was icy so they used kitty litter to put down for the ice, but it, it has to be crisp. Brand. Yeah. Whew, getting misty here. Gonna hit stop. I actually might get. You've inspired me because I might actually get on this before I pass. Make some money on this whole kitty litter thing. I think so. You know, yeah. If music doesn't pan out by the time you're ninety. Uh, so my van this time of year, my minivan. You don't have a minivan. You're a little bit cooler. Quite a bit cooler than me. You've got a Jeep. And it looks pretty cool. But my minivan is loaded with gear, and I left it in my garage for the last six weeks. I didn't load stuff in and out of my shelves. <laughs> you sure just, you want to make mention to this? On a pod, just don't give your address. 
Right. Right. Be careful. The, my Twilliger address. Your Twilliger address. <laughs> don't give that. So yeah, I have it all locked. It's way safer in in the minivan in the in the garage because now you got to break into the garage. You got and then no one wants to go into minivan. It's not yeah. that cool, right? So, ooh. But yeah, it was good, and we had some cold nights. But um, I like cold as it is. So, uh, what was your best memory of a Christmas show this year? A Christmas show. Other than the speedo, yeah. Thing. No, I I'll I'll go with the Big Miller. It was, was it, eh? yeah, and it was a yeah. larger band. Like there was. Um, it was like a mini big band. So there was just, it was, you know, a lot of great players, a lot of great music. And a, mini, stories. a mini big band would be a yeah, medium I guess band. There would be 3 trumpet, one trombone, three saxes, guitar, piano, bass, okay. drums. Yeah. So it's a nice a fair, nice And then vocal. Who's, who's vocals? Mallory Chipman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Any relations to Tommy Banks? Uh, <laughs> yes. Just a bit. <laughs> Just a bit. Um, yeah. She's a wonderful. Yeah. Her yeah. grand, uh, his granddaughter. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Yeah. Uh, pass on that. Uh, yeah. Look up Tommy Banks. If you're not listening to this from the Edmonton area, you don't know who Tommy Banks is. Uh, even throughout Canada, most people kind of know who Tommy was. Uh, a really amazing statesman, but also we've talked about him on the show before, but his uh, granddaughter is killing it doing a great job yeah but what a what a thing to be able to pass on that musical yeah love right into into your kids and into their kids as well so yeah 100 percent. so what do you do i think we got a truck backing up on my street might have to edit that out we'll see actually it doesn't sound bad almost sounds christmasy it really does yeah so what do you do to come down after christmas i mean it's a lot of go and then january hits pretty fast I suspect you don't have as many gigs in January. Not that you shouldn't, but just, you know. Like, how do you come down from... Yeah, just the rush, the the pressure, the go, go, go of the gigs. Do you, do you something that you decompress in January and kind of... I think it's naturally kind of built in, at least f- for uh, everything that I've experienced during my time as a gigging musician. It's just, it's kind of natural. Yeah, you know, you get slammed in December. You've got the the exhilaration and the energy coming from family coming to visit, like parties. Like there's just like joy, happiness. Yeah, January hits after New Year's, and it just it feels like everything's kind of dead. I think I've just gotten used to that, and it's it's kind of built in that compression. So if I am super busy within December or November, December, um, I think that I end up um, being able to process a lot of that inf- information and that, that energy um, through knowing that in January I have some downtime see it coming yeah i see it come yeah are you a vacation guy do you guys do you just head out of the out of the country go down to- not as much as i'd like yeah but i definitely i like the idea of vacation yeah covid was a nice vacation i was a little long a little long little, little long vacation yeah. Well, but my- yeah i think that's you know the more that you can um build those into your your mindset that it 
you will have this time to de decompress mm -hmm. afterwards. Not looking at it as uh, some people, I think, would take it as, oh my God, it's so slow, and kind of tilt it the other way where it's depressing, it's unsettling. But if you can look at it as like a built-in, and it's it's pretty consistent in our line of work that January hits and there's a bit of a dip. Well, that's my that's my depressive time. If I when I get into a depressive mood, that's my that's my season. That'll that'll hit me pretty hard in January, and I'll go pretty hard all the way through November, December. And I, I'll show you my my schedule. I'd come home and I'd take my felt, and I'd just cross another one off. It was just it was just a blur of one after another. Sometimes there was two or th or three shows in a day, and you're just trying to get through all that stuff. So you got a ton of energy when you're wired when you get home, but then January comes and there's like I think I've got three, three shows. And for years, I would go and I'd start looking for work. I would say, I'm done. This is crazy. I'm no good as a musician. And I get into this negative space. And if you're starting out in music too, like, like hear this, because you're going to feel this. You're going to feel this low sometimes. If you're a human being, you're not a psychopath, you're going to feel that low. And you're going to, you know, maybe you're going to reach out for, you might reach out for unhealthy stuff to try to kind of soothe that. But it, for me, it was real. But a lot of it was like self-worth. I'm no good. I need something else. So I get on and ask my wife, like I get on a job find. I'd be like, I'm just going to become a manager at a yeah. whatever. I make, you know, whatever 80,000 bucks a year being a manager, working 5 billion hours a week, get a couple weeks off in the summertime. That'll be good. And I'd look and sometimes I even apply. And then one year I said to myself, I can't keep doing this. If no one's going to hire me in, in January, which they don't, I mean, it's January. You get a few things that I'm just going to give my music away. So I started volunteering at, um, at a hospital here in Edmonton that I think I've told you about the hospital yeah. I work at. So that's how that whole thing started. I started doing volunteer just on Mondays. I just, if no one's going to hire me, I'm just going to go. So I changed my mindset. I said, yeah. I've got to, I got to, you know, kind of live above the line here and go just do something. And it was great. I got to meet patients. Then eventually the hospital said, would you do a sing along? Yeah, cool. So I started doing that. Could we pay you to come and do a couple days a week with patients? Yeah, sure. So then I came on and then eventually got hired with Alberta Health Services to actually do that. But it was out of that. I had to take a stand and finally say, I can't keep going through this dive and not doing something. So I yeah, just, I, <clears throat> I think that's amazing, man. Like what you've done is you took this and a lot of people wouldn't push through that and you changed your narrative. And out of that came a gig, like a steady gig. Steady gig. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's, that's amazing. But it was hard. Like Chris, it was years of, and I still get there. I'll get, I'll do, it'll be like that again in January. I'll have, a, I'll have wins of that that will kind of blow across my soul through that month and be like, oh yeah, I should have done something else. Well, no, hold on a second. You just work like six weeks straight. Just take a couple weeks and relax. Work on your skills, take some lessons, buy some new gear. Let's get to gear in a bit. But you know, those kinds of things. So yeah, students, whatever, if you're playing, whatever, even a different line of work and you have those seasons, figure out a way to say, you know, this isn't what validates my, my skill. It doesn't define me. I can't, can't let it. There's gotta be something higher. You know, let my creator, let something else define me so that I don't have to go through this. And it's not always bad, though, to go through the tension, to feel that tension. Go, what am I actually feeling? Is it rest? Is it, am I actually tired? So I think that's important um, to acknowledge those, those, um, the, the emotional roller coaster that's happening. Yeah. Um, when you go from that, such a high to that low, yeah. gigging wise, professional, emotionally all that and, and be able to um, 
figure out a way. And I liked how you brought up, like some people go like a, a more destructive way to try to numb that. Um, but I think we all have to. And if you don't acknowledge it, it just keeps, you know, out of sight, out, out, of, out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not there. You don't deal with it. And it just, you, you'll never push through that. No. So for you to, to acknowledge that and to push through, I think that's, and a positive came out of it. An amazing thing came out of it. Well, and we put a judgment around certain emotions too. So having a great time, this is fun. These are good emotions. Then all of a sudden you're not gigging and we, we then put the, the tag on that. Those are bad emotions. It's bad to feel that way. And I think that doesn't do us a, a mental health service at all. I think we just need to look at them what, for what they are and go, right now, I don't feel very well. Right now I feel a little bit down. All right. You don't have to, don't judge yourself as being that's good or bad. It just is what, it's just telling you something that maybe you need to rest. Maybe you need to expand something, read a book or something like that. But I spend a lot of time going, yeah, I'm a bad person. I don't feel this way. I'm no good. And that doesn't, putting those adjectives on there never. No. And what will happen in that situation is when you have all that, the joy, the happiness, the success, you will sit there and you'll be, if I asked you, why was that su successful? You'd be able to, to list off this. Well, this is, this is why it was successful. This, this, this. Yeah. You flip it to the other side where it's negative, and I went, well, why are you feeling this way negatively? Why are you depressed? Why? It, I guarantee you the answer more times than not is going to be, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I feel this way. Because we don't want to make that list or go through those emotions. List, yeah. But if you do and you self-analyze and go, okay, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not working. Okay, that's... I don't need, you know, and maybe the the feeling attached to that is no one's hiring me because that's no one's hiring me. My self-worth is down. I'm not employable, blah, blah, blah. But at least now you can deal with that right. and you can go, okay, well, travel back in time. Yeah, I just worked six weeks straight every day, sometimes two gigs a day. It is all right. It's not about success. Yeah. You know, because I did have success there. And January is used, like you can talk your way through that process so that you don't get stuck there. But that's, the, I think that's the so natural tennis tendency with us is anything positive. Yeah, this was why it was great. This, this, this. Yeah, yeah. And we can't really, we just, all of a sudden negative, everything sucks. And we label it as that. We don't go, why? Why is it like that? And being able to, because that's important too, right? To sift through that and go, you know what? I'm I'm feeling this way because of this. And then you can, you can actually maybe you extract that, you know, year one in January, it was this, this, and this. Plus the fact that you weren't gigging, so you had more time on your hands to actually sit there and think yeah, about yeah, it and sure. dwell. The next year, maybe you've dealt with some of that stuff. And now it's a little different, but now you're able to analyze something else that might have crept in there. So you're able to put these, these issues into compartments that we don't necessarily, we wouldn't necessarily do if we just hit that place and let it sit there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's some hard, there's some hard work involved. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Which we do when we're 
when we're happy or those those positive things, you're working your ass off. Yeah. That whole time. Like you if you took the energy line. to get through those six weeks that you you did to work from, you know, learning maybe new tunes to loading gear in, loading gear or sorry, loading gear in, setting up, sound checking, a little bit of downtime, then a long gig, then the teardown, load into the van, drive back home. The energy is is massive. It's massive. You know, so yeah, like just to sit there and and analyze why you're feeling down or not as fulfilled isn't going to take as much energy as what you just went through. But because it's associated with a negative feeling, automatically it feels like it's a hundred times bigger than anything that you've done before. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so we need to balance that out, figure out how to put tools. Well, I, I think there's a story that when I was back in 2008, I was just starting to do some musical comedy stuff. And I was playing with a trio. We'd played, actually, these guys had played with in Jasper for years. And the gig was doing some dinner music with these guys. And then I was going to do a comedy show based on this company. So I wrote some stuff. And, and it was one of the worst, it was one of the worst comedy shows that I'd ever had. And it was in front of guys that I've been friends with for years. And I could see them at the back just feeling as cringy as me. But I was also taking some coaching. I tend to do that. I get coaches in my life that kind of help me out. So I'd suggest like do that. If you need someone around you, get some people around you that can talk through stuff with you. So I knew she was going to ask me some questions, my coach. So instead of when the show was over, like people weren't laughing. Sometimes they laugh, but overall it dove. This was a brutal show. I went in the back and I, I analyzed my feelings. I said, I feel like crap right now. This would feel like the worst thing took out my Blackberry in those days. I don't know if I probably told you the story in a podcast. Anyway, I quickly wrote down all the things that went well and all the things that didn't. Well, they actually liked this song. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Okay, that one guy thought, whatever. But what, what didn't work well? I had a poor intro. No, they didn't. They gave me a brutal intro. They said, Matt's going to come out and do some stuff. They didn't close the bars. They didn't close the doors. The lights were brutal. Every, everything, when I walked on stage, was set up for failure right away. So there's a lot of stuff that wasn't in my control. Well, that informed a whole new thing in my writer now that now when I do a comedy, the bar's closed. The doors are closed. There's a great intro. We do a video intro now. Lights come down, everything. So that whole bad experience took all those notes. I still have them somewhere because I emailed them to my coach and she's like, that was a great moment that you captured instead of wallowing, going, having a couple of glasses of wine, sitting in the corner there and getting upset. Yeah. I figured out. Proactive. Yeah. I still didn't feel very good going home. I feel like, oh, I shouldn't do this again. But I learned so much from that gig that helped me down the, down the road. So I like what you're saying because that's great. If you can capture that, capture that why and help it inform you. Yeah. help help get some understanding around that that's that's great i wish i'd known that when i was in school because there was a lots of gigs i left feeling like man and here's the other truth is sometimes you're not going to be what the client was looking for that's okay it's like you know do you like my wife loves olives i can't stand i don't know how people like olives i think it's yeah. crazy but that's just the thing you know some people like olives some they, some don't so sometimes you'll be the thing that they weren't looking for that is true but it not most of the time it's just not going to be but again you're not defining yourself by what you're by what you're doing as much as maybe who you are on a bigger, more, you know, universal uh, scale. There's lots of other ways. Yeah, I think that's very super helpful. So we yeah. have to do that. Well, what's interesting about this timing too, Chris, is we're doing this before. I've got one show tomorrow. To, it, today's December 30th. I've got a show tomorrow. Four hours at the Westin doing some tunes until 1230. And I'm going to love it. It's going to be so much fun. 
12.35, we'd packing up. 1 o'clock, get home, or 1.30, get home. Next morning, I wake up. Okay, no gigs. Yep. Yeah, maybe if I played better. Maybe if I'd, oh, they probably didn't like it. I wish there was more people. Oh, shoot, I wish, I, oh, I sang that song wrong. Oh, I didn't, oh, I forgot that person's request. All that stuff's going to come into my mind. So I'm going to have to have that process again to go through and say, okay, step back. How was it really? Oh, it was actually okay. This person, whatever. And be able to do that. Because that's what my January 1st will be like. And so our next podcast in January, it'll be interesting yeah. just, to, just to ask, how was that? Uh, how was my January? So it's getting better every year. But yeah, you're not alone if you're listening to this. And whatever uh, area of work you're in, if you find yourself in seasons of tension, um, that get depressive for you, that get uh, worrisome, that you start to wonder. Um, just allow that to hang there. Just enjoy that being in front of you, even as painful as that tension is, and just try to kind of you know look through it and see what you can learn from it and take away. So, yeah, for sure. Good, like those. Yeah, you're getting a park talking like that. That kind of wisdom. You are getting a park. You're not. You're not Kitty Lee or Chris anymore. Uh, you know what? Go somewhere. Okay, the time has come in our podcast to have a little break. Get Chris to wander over to the piano and play us a tune. Maybe a little bit of left-hand bass, something bluesy to give us a little break in our podcast. Enjoy. talk to you a little bit about something that came out of some coaching that I got, uh, why we legitimize and don't legitimize ourselves as musicians sometimes, or in our different lines of work. I've got a friend who's a great artist, and I'm sure he goes through, another friend of mine's another great artist, she goes through seasons where it's legitimate and not legitimate. But first, I want to have some fun uh, gear, talk about gear, and what are you using lately, what's working, what's not, what's your, do you have a gear philosophy that you have tips tricks i got a few what do you got gear i love gear speaking of gear is you drive a standard yeah that's very cool i love yeah. standard. all my kids had to learn drive standard yeah. no i and i actually lucked out because they don't actually make they don't wranglers um standard yeah and it just happened that this one came in used with i think about four or five years ago um with seven seven thousand kilometers on it, it was oh, nice. low, and yeah. Although this, it it's it's a pain because getting it into reverse, and I guess maybe that's why they don't do them. Um, but getting into reverse on that is a pain, especially if you drive into the ditch like I heard you did over the holidays. Yes, on the highway. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for bringing that up. Little uh. Ditch shaming there. Yeah. That's what that is, yeah. But you weren't going very fast. 
No, and it was, it just, yeah, just. But those four, it's four wheel drive, but that wouldn't get you, you had to latch. No, out. and I don't have great tires on that, which now this has inspired me to get some better tires. But yeah, I mean, we were in deep, wet snow and um, like even going into uh, low four, whatever they call it, the low, yeah, low gear, um, couldn't get out of so luckily, it, we were, from the time we went off the road to being on the highway again was 15 minutes at most. So we had like these, the truck driver just drove by, pulled out his chains. I have tow, tow hooks on two on the, I think I have on the front too, so four. I just hooked the chain to it and then I got in and he just, he backed up. Pulled it out like nothing. Pulled it out. And yeah. uh, then we were on our way. So, yeah, but yeah. thanks for bringing that up. You know, what I want to know about the, the guy when he gets on the CB radio uh, as he leaves him. Yeah, 10 4 I bring a 1 9, but I would just pull out a guy out of. What was he saying about you? He was probably talking. Yeah, trash talking you. This guy was driving a Jeep and ended up in the ditch. What a if dumbass. If you had kitty litter, you would have put it in the snow and backed out over it. I know. See? It's coming I'm up. I'm not getting a park, man. No. I'm you're... getting my own brand of kitty litter. Well, and I see it's much more efficient and useful, like you're able to use it a lot. Uh, okay, so, so gear. Yes. Gear. Obviously, you got the gear on, you got the gear on your uh, on your. I love gear. Yeah. Uh, so... Do you find you're always having to... Ch- always, it's never, you're never quite happy? I like yeah. not being ever quite happy with gear. Yeah. So my main board for years was an RD 700 NX which is, I believe, the last uh, in the 700 series of the RD for Roland. Loved it. Um, used that for, like, years, but it's so heavy. Uh, for some of the pop stuff I was doing, I, I got a Nord Stage 2EX, which I love, but I don't love the action on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little spongy? Is that what it is? It's It's great for everything um, because you can play organ on it. Uh, you can play piano, you can play clav. Like it's got synth stuff. Like it's just got this really balanced key bed that you can get away with playing everything on it. But if you're just using it for piano, I, j- I find it really difficult to get into. Yeah. But they're beautiful, beautiful boards, beautiful sounds. Um, but then I ended up getting two years ago a Casio P S now when people 1, hear the word Casio until I heard your board I was like Chris are you kidding me but it's it's good yeah and it's light it's lighter. light it's it was 700 bucks uh, the key bed on it is not ideal but it's 22 pounds it's got built-in spe- speakers you can run it off battery mm-hmm Oh, really? But the piano sound, the sample on it is, isn't that bad at all. Like I, I remember a student came in years ago. He's like, yeah, I got this Casio controller, a PX5S or PA. And I'm like, come on, dude. And I'm like, you fit, you know what? Get out. (laughs) You failed right now. (laughs) He's like, no, man. Like I checked out all the reviews and I actually went and tried it out. And it actually is, it was basically a controller, but it had sounds in it too, which a lot of controllers don't no. do. 
and it was super light. And I'm like, damn, man. Like, I took my laptop in and hooked it up and played with it, and it was enjoyable to play. So do you use it with main stage, or do you just play uh, standalone sounds that come, the stock sounds in the board? With, uh, so with the controller, I did sell, because I needed to get money to buy the Nord. But with this um, piano, the Casio, uh, most of the time I just use it straight up with the nice. piano sound in in the, the yeah, board yeah, and it's yeah. they made a new version of it which is supposed to be a bit better but it's got it's light it's great for rehearse like taking it you know you're oh, lugging yeah. your gear into someone's basement to rehearse yeah this is you know, I can put it over my back and i'm not going to trip it's not breaking my back so that's that's good um for the stuff i mainly do with main stage like pop stuff. Now I'm using a uh, Arturia uh, Key Lab MK2. You, that's the one you keep in your backpack. I've seen you. Is that the one you have in your? What's no, the no, one no. Here? That's a native instrument. Okay. No, this is like 88. Okay, it's a full. Yeah. It's got drum pads. It's got uh, faders, um, knobs. Um, it's got a whole bunch of different pedal configurations. It's got a little. St it actually came with a music stand and it came with this little uh, metal plate that you hook on to the back of it so you can actually put your laptop on and it doesn't oh, interfere. Um, and it's great. Like the, the, the controllability of it is great. The action's, again, not ideal. It's a little It's always something spongy. Something's always got to give, right? But um, it's not that heavy. It's it's really easy to to manage. Yeah, controlling. I love it. Uh, I have people, especially like um, people don't maybe they don't play. They they are purists. They just want to play on the piano. And I'll be at the hospital. And I when I'm there, I use this just a little um, Yamaha. It's not weighted board, sixty one keys, and it goes great. Put it on one of these little carts, battery powered. Go into the patients' rooms. I can play, and it's brutal for your technique. I mean, you've got to come home and work out properly, right? To get, but. I'll ask some players, like, uh, the, oh, no, it's not a real piano, or it doesn't feel like a piano. I'm like, no, it isn't a piano. You have to change your mindset. Oh, for sure. And go, yeah, I'm not playing a piano. I'm playing an electronic keyboard that's going to have a variety of a, a range of feels based on this keyboard to another keyboard, and you can't have that expectation. You're just not going to no, go to the keg get... and have a steak and say, I want the same steak at McDonald's. No, you're not going to get that. No. But you're you going to get the have. same thing going from your grand piano here to the grand piano at school. Yeah. To the one at the, I mean, played that's, a Kauaian lady's house the other night for a Christmas thing, and the action was so heavy. The first ten minutes, I'm like, I don't like this. After half an hour, I'm like, I'm loving this. I can, you can really dig into it. Yeah. So yeah. that's just part of the process. Yeah. So I take. You out, should though, check out that Casio because I should, but I don't get invited to your house, and I tried to do the podcast at your house, and you said no. So, well, let's just be honest here. I tried to get myself over there, and that's what happened. So you realize <laughs> it's. There's another two years on the proximity. The order um, that's been put in place. Yeah. yeah. For Twilliger. Right. Whole of Twilliger. Oh, I can't. I'm not even allowed to You're be in You're not Twilliger. in that area. I'm not allowed to be in that area No, at all. so it's not me. It's just the area. It's something that you did. Yeah, yeah. And there's another two years on that. So. Yeah. Well, it, but it, I could bring the keyboard to you. All I can say, it was a high-level thing with NASA. I did something wrong there. And so some people got upset and whatever. Technology. That's why I'm a musician. I stay in that. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. 
So I use, um, I've got a couple of those keyboard shells. I built some shells a couple of years ago because it helps. It looks good. And you can yeah. stick all your gear inside it. Stick all my, all my cords are in there. My, my uh, receivers for mics, my mixer, everything is inside there. And so it cleans up the floor. It looks really good on the floor. But I have a Yamaha P115. It's a white, matches my white piano shell. Uh, then I have a Roland um, uh, FP50, I think it is. And it allows me to, it's got the, it actually has some built-in, um, it's it's not like, um, uh, what do you call it, AI, but it's it really senses when you're playing. It's not like a cheap Casio. Oh, I see. Mean Casio. Whoa. But, whoa. but it, plays, it plays along. And it's actually decent. Like, And if I'll do a vocal, I'm doing a vocal um, little single thing. It's nice just to have that go. People will play some drums or play some, have some rhythms. I don't want to download a, a track and play to a track because then you're stuck to the track, right? So this allows you to do some fills here and there. And sometimes I don't feel like playing left-hand bass if I'm singing. Then I just put in the bass and it's decent. And often if you're playing like outside at a fair or a festival, yeah, sure. people don't care. You're making noise and that's good enough. So I really like that. It's actually kind of fun. And then uh, I've got that small little one you tried, that little Yamaha, those mini c yeah but, those are great but for years i had a cp300 and i lugged that thing around it's 78 pounds it's just a pig but the action's so nice on it and i just sold it i bought it 10 years ago for 1100 bucks i sold it for 1600 two years ago crazy it, i actually made money on that on that thing over the years but those things they're great going in the studio and those things are there and if you're in a small enough room the speakers on it are actually good enough to give enough ambience yeah. for for there but it's a pig I yeah, I mean, that. ideally you'd have something with, like some of the Quai boards, I uh, can't remember the, the model numbers, uh, beautiful action, but they're, yeah, you get into, yeah. you know, 60, 70 pounds, and that's, I mean, the, the Roland that I had, the RD, and RD even when heavy. they, even when they went to the 800 and they went to the RD 2000, for some reason, the action—I swear they changed it. Maybe it's maybe it's all in my head, but it felt different. And every every model of the RD that came out for me, like it just felt felt comfortable playing up until the 800 and the 2000. Yeah. Um, and I finally sold I I sold it to a student this year for like 400 bucks, but I had it for. Man, ten years, and I beat the hell out of it. It was that's great. what Long equates like. You would take uh, you take your stuff into Lindsay. I think Lindsay had a company yep. called Evan Audio Works. He'd fix your stuff, or Long Equate, and he they would come in and they'd say, "Oh yeah, it's another Chris Andrews special. He could beat the hell out of these things." Like you hammer those things. They did say that, didn't they? They did say that. I remember, yeah, hearing them say that. Like you would work those things. Yeah, and that one actually, they got better. But there was some boards I went through that like within six months I had just brutal like I'm gonna get you a shirt with, as, with three F's on it man I yeah it's like I strapped like 25 pound weights to my hands and it just that's how I practiced or something because so I would just I'd break keys uh the RD series did you break keys on a show ever or just like oh they, they go like that's hitting you're hitting hard yeah and the one before you know, you can this turn one, up. I don't think I actually broke any keys on this you one. You can turn up your monitor. You know that. Yeah. Right? I don't know what it... I, I'm an idiot. I think... No, you get into it. Can I, I tell you about know. my new company? Yes, the yeah. Cat Litter. Chris Cat Litter. No. Um, but yeah, yeah but, but I that, did. That was a true story. Lindsay did say, yeah, it was Chris Andrews special. And it was... I just thought, wow, that thing was... 
No, there was, especially on non like synth action. Like it was, um, cause there was for a while there you could buy, which I miss, you could get like a synth. No, they still make 76 note ones, but like they don't make 76 note controllers, which would be an ideal size because you could play solo piano. Like it basically is getting rid of like the low end that you don't use. And the high and end that you don't use. So you go yeah. from 61 to 88. Yeah. But for a while, there was a whole bunch of synths that would come out. I didn't like looking at the 76 and looking down and seeing a C at the bottom out of the corner of my eye. It just freaked me out. Like in my head, there should be an A, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. not over it. You got to let some let some it, of those things go. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I use those guys. Those are fun. Um, the Yamaha and the, and the Roland. I like the Yamaha sound better than the Roland for some reason. I don't know what it is. But no, I'm and that's this. that's normal. Like we could we we could do a whole talk. We could do a whole talk on that. Where see how, see how you sexier know, you sound when you're close to the mic. Yeah, so I hey, just I'm Chris. keep forgetting. I'm Chris. Um, you know, I know tons of people that are more Yamaha sample based. Like they like the way that it. It feels, and I've always, I don't know what it is, always been partial to the Roland yeah. piano sample, but, or the way they model it. Um, I'm not really a big fan of the the Nord. Well, here's the thing. Roland has A-N-D in its name, Roland, and the first part of your last name, A-N-D. So let's just look at that, you know. Wow. Yamaha and the MA, the mat. There's something. It's letters. It's probably letters. It probably is. You know, you're right. What do you use for um, a monitor? Do you have a, a monitor or an amp that you, you take with you? If it's you know what? I, I've i always, for years, been partial to bass amps. Really? Yeah. So for... I always hated the sound of keyboard amps. Hated them. Yeah. Hated them. Uh, for a while, I did go PA. Like, a, like I got a Mackie... Yeah. speaker one and it, at least it felt like it i got a full range but that's still and then i switched i had an swr base like a it yeah. was like a monitor like it had it went on an angle uh, yeah i don't know the one uh for years then i had a phil jones bass amp which was like a tiny it sounded great so how are you getting the sparkle out of that for the on the high end? They've got like, and now I I've run for years. I've got a Mark base, and it's like about this size, yeah. like this size, and it that thing puts out and like it's got a a control on the, the like it it's got a it's got great range on it. I've never really had an issue with. It's got the sparkle. It's got the low end. That I like to hear, especially if you're playing left hand bass. Can you? Yeah, it it sounds yeah. great, and I, yeah, I beat the hell out of that thing, and I haven't. It hasn't broken down once. I've been using it for. Oh man. Six, seven, years, eight. It's been a while. I'd ideally, I'd like to get two, because they're so small and light. And then just run stereo. Well, I, I ran, I, I used to have the uh, some of the Roland, the KC 350s and the 150s. 
which are, are well, that 350 was heavy, just sold that a while ago. But I didn't mind that. But I was I was never happy. And right now, on my floor over there, I've got a, uh, just bought a Yorkville EXM8. It's the mobile. It's got three inputs, and then it's got Bluetooth. And I'm pretty impressed with that thing. And I'll use my, uh, for my for my sub, uh, I'll use my Bose, and I won't take the, I won't put the speaker on the stand. I'll just leave it in there. And those two things together sound nice. And they're nice, you just, you know, they're small enough, you just carry them in. Right. But that little EXM mobile, some of those mobile speakers now are great. 25 hours on the battery. And uh, the EQ is not great. There's a notch on there, and it's sort of speech to music. That's kind of gives you the range. So you sweep through what, what you want. But generally find a, a sweet spot. And then I had um, all my mixers. I, I have four or five different mixers and I always have two. I think we were talking about that. I always yeah. have two with me. Um, and if you're a keyboard player, go to Long McQuaid, go to a music store and buy yourself a second power supply right now. You'll, you'll save yourself, especially those little flimsy Yamaha ones. Buy an extra one, leave it in your bag because one day you'll thank me. Uh, I just actually met a guy on a gig uh, a couple weeks ago and his that little adapter had gone and he was left until this venue actually happened to have an old one in a box. So grab one of those, grab and keep an extra pedal, uh, those kinds of things. You can limp through without the pedal if you need to. The good thing but, now is, I mean, not necessarily with those keyboards, but a lot of the controllers are USB power. They're USB, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, you're more likely to find that. But there was times, I remember with the first Nord that I had, it was a, an Electro and it had the, the old printer cable. Yeah. Like the super, like the smaller one. Yeah. Man, and if you, there was a couple of times, and luckily it was a printer cable um, that I, I, you know, forgot to pack it and I'm nowhere near anything, you know, and you go to London Drugs and go to the computer department and buy one. But always, yeah, like having a couple extra, you never have, know. Have extra stuff. I always get a couple of soundboards. I, well, this, it paid off the other day. Well, it didn't really because I bought a new one, but um, I had a Mackie board. A Mackie um, DL 1600, 1608. And that's got the iPad built in it. And then you have your own iPad controller. I love that thing because you can EQ it. You can do so much in that thing and presets and all that. Went to a show set up at noon and it died on me. The iPad died. I'm like, oh. So I just zipped off the Lama Quaid and I bought a little um, Soundcraft um, notepad. It's a little eight channel board and it's the, it's the most basic board, but it sounds great. And I, I use, uh, I really like that. I had a little Behringer board, but I just, it was really a MIDI sounding board right, and right. like that. So, but yeah, keep extra stuff, little, and, and the boards, some of them are so small, they can just sit right right on, oh, my, yeah. on my piano and you you can tweak it as you go. And, and so, yeah, I like that. Uh, so sometime, Chris, I want to ask you about your Paul Brandt setup because you had, like you said, you had a double, like a... Yeah, I, I actually went... Uh, for some of the sounds, I had my RD board for the piano sound, but then for organ, uh, Whirly, Rhodes, I think there was some string stuff that I did. Everything else I pulled from a laptop and had a controller as a second keyboard. Oh. But with, and for that, what I did was I had a PC, laptop, external sound card, but then I had a second laptop in case that went down. And did it ever? No. Yeah, but smart to have that. But yeah. I didn't use, like, that laptop, I didn't use for anything. Are you playing, uh, to, is there tracks on that? You don't have to tell me, but were there, you playing to tracks as well? Yeah, there was some tracks that we played. I can't remember exactly what was on some of them. They might have been, like, we had two, two guitars and a steel player in the band. Yeah. But there might have been some textural stuff that, that was there. 
Someone told me a story about you. They played, played a joke in you one time that you you had a microphone in front of you, but you didn't. They didn't have it through, and then they put a bunch of your vocal through Paul's monitor one day as a joke or something. They didn't put it through his monitor. They put it through every all the because the background vocals were on tracks. Yeah, except for his wife who sang with oh, him. Oh, I didn't tell. Okay, a great singer, and so. We had to, we had a mic and we had to mouth the background. And so I'm mouthing and I'm not really, not really singing, not paying attention to that, but someone, the sound, not someone, the sound tech decided as a joke to put my (laughs) microphone through the rest of the band's (laughs) in-ears. That's the best. Oh man. They were just, because you're not even trying to sing in tune. You're just trying to sing. You're just trying to mouth it and make it look. Yeah, I was just horrible at that anyways. Oh. Like, that's just not me. And I guess they were just in tears. I'm like, why the hell is everyone laughing? That's and so then funny. at the end of the gig, they come up and like, dude, this is what happened. And oh my God. Paul must have got a kick out of that. Yeah. But oh, there's, a, so there's a recording similar to that where they, uh, with Paul, um, uh, why am I blank? McCartney, Paul McCartney and his wife, Linda yeah. would sing backgrounds. And one of the sound men took her line and recorded the audio of her vocals. And I guess it was so bad to the point where someone got a hold of it. And there was a radio show that, oh, no. that was like, guess this Beatles tune. <laughs> and they'd play her background vocals. And it was that bad that people were having a problem guessing the tune that is hilarious yeah yeah i don't know who told me that but uh about your the paul story but i laughed about that you sing you don't you don't like to sing you do sing i don't sing yet that'll get you a park that I might <laughs> actually might that <laughs> might get me a park get you in the park zone. no i've like <laughs> i've always sing wanted alone. to you sing alone when you're playing on the piano just kind of sing a little not bit. really like once in a while i'll try to sing as standards just for the sake of it I've always wanted to learn more. Yeah. I just haven't done that. But that's, I mean, if we really want to talk about that, that's that's been a, a negative. Like I know if I, if I could sing, I'd get more gigs. Not only in the kind of area that you you are in, the dueling the, the piano sh- thing. The schmaltz area. Yeah, thing. but yeah, yeah. background, like there's been some some gigs have come up with other country artists and, you know, they're like, yeah, we love your playing. Do you sing? They obviously need someone to sing backgrounds too. And, and you just looked them in the eye and you said, no, Garth, I don't sing. I don't. Now stop calling me. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go, Garth. Yeah. Well, but it definitely, it definitely, uh, and I, I try to encourage some of my students Mm-hmm. Uh, in piano class, I'm like, you take it seriously because it, you know, you don't have to be a great singer, but if you can sing in tuning and sing backgrounds, now you play the piano as well as you do, man, it opens up a whole other world of, sure does. like exactly what we were talking in the beginning of the podcast, where this is just making you more employable and all these different elements. Well, and, and hats off to, hats off to those of you who do sing because you're dealing with an instrument that is attached to you 
emotionally, physically, it's more attached. If, if I played some drums for you right now and you said you suck, I wouldn't care. It wouldn't affect me at all. It would affect me more if you said something about my piano playing. But if you say something about my singing, oh, that's, that's so close to home emotionally and physically. And I had a bad experience when I, I loved to sing. When I was a kid, I loved singing. I was never a musician as a kid, but I loved singing. I even had a dream when I was in grade six of singing on a stage. It was weird to sing because I wasn't even a musician. And then I was playing for a guy in grade 11. He was a, he was, um, a great guitar player. And I was like, go, oh, can I hear this song? And I, I played him the song. And he says, oh, the nice song. He goes, just, just don't sing. I said, oh, you mean like don't sing at the intro or where? He goes, no, you don't ever, don't ever sing. And that day I closed my mouth and I, I was done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't open, I couldn't say a peep for anybody. And I even wrote our grad song. And it took me about two weeks to try and play the notes for the singers. I couldn't come to da da da. I couldn't do that. Right. And then a guy got me involved in choir in college and said, hey, try out for choir. Well, I thought oh, I could maybe do that. So I got into the choir and the choir director was great. And he was a really well-known guy, Gordon Hafso, who was well, well known in this area and very, you know, older guy. And he goes, oh, you have good tone. And I said, oh, great. Oh, you've got good pitch. Okay. You're going to be a bass, second bass. And then he gave me a solo in the first concert. And uh, man, I just couldn't believe it. It was, and it wasn't even great. But he knew that I needed that. This was my release. He didn't care how good it sounded yet. He knew that I needed to get through this. And now right. I, I sing a lot of my gigs. And a friend, you know, once said, you know, find your sound. Like find Willie Nelson found his sound, and Bob Dylan and oh, yeah. Sinatra found their sound. For Don't sure. try and sound like. Just find your range and find your sound and enjoy it. And I'm having way more fun now. I'll sing like half the night tomorrow night. Yeah. And I wouldn't have done that two or three years ago. I wouldn't have done that. Now right. I don't have to sing like Josh Groban. Because I want to engage the audience. And there's something about singing in a baritone range as a half-decent singer that attracts an audience because they can sing with you. Because you're not trying to Steve Perry yourself you know, right, into the right, audience's right. heart. You're just trying to connect, make a connection. So that helps me, that the fact that I'm, yeah, I'm baritone. I sing in this range. I can sing Neil Diamond range. That's kind of my thing, right? Right. So... Yeah, you're right. If That's you can add, point. if you can add that, but you play drums too, don't you play drums? Someone said you play drums. I fake my way on the drum. I actually love the drums. I yeah. love uh, the percussiveness of it. I love the, everything about it. I've always, and I don't know why, I didn't take it as a um, as a kid. I don't think my parents would have allowed that, mm-hmm. but it always felt like I was always drawn to the kid, like in the band room, no one's around. If there were sticks lying around, I would go and I'm not good. Um, but I do, I like it. And it would be something that I'd feel comfortable doing, if that makes sense. 27 instruments on Prince's Purple Rain album, I believe. And he played all of them. Yeah. He was almost all of them. So he was a freak. Yeah. He was a freak. Yeah. His guitar playing, his bass play, oh, his I went to a concert of his in Calgary. He played bass, he played guitar, um, like electric guitar. Then he did an, a medley of Joni Mitchell tunes on acoustic guitar. Then he did a medley of his tunes on piano. Uh, I think he played yeah, it's drums. Insane. And then he danced in high heels. Well, and then you, it, it but was you like, do that too. I do do that. You do that, yeah. And actually, that's where he got that shtick from me. He had watched a video from when I was, I think, twelve or something. And yeah, he told you me know, that on Vancouver Island. Yeah, he told me that. Yeah. Vancouver Island, and he he's like, video. he saw yeah. this, and Forrest there was Gumpish kind of effect. Yeah, yeah. Around, yeah. 
Chris Gump. Actually, that was my, my, uh, when I wore heels, it was Chris Gump. Yeah. Yeah. You've affected a lot of people. I try to. Yeah. Positive way and mostly negative, but. Well, um, that's it for gear. I mean, that's sort of, uh, I've been getting into main stage a little bit lately, but I need you to show me how to, I don't know how to assign stuff. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, I mean, see, that's yeah, the beauty that's of... A, yeah, you know how, so you... That's the beauty out. of main stage. It's so versatile, but it's so easy to set things up. And you up. can set, like, I, I got eight drum pads on the bottom left corner, and I can assign those to anything. Oh, yeah. Like a dog bark. Yeah, and you can do, like, the, yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay, that's, that's a whole great. different thing. We might have to video some of those. Um, yeah, to do some of that stuff, but that's cool. The, the gear and the stuff, the the software stuff that's out there right now. Yeah. At some of my shows, I use um, the iPad and I use GarageBand and I take out the guitar setting and I set the key to G minor and I put on a like a minor blues scale and then I'll bring people up from the audience to play with me. And have you, you ever used that guitar? On the, on no, the but iPad. I remember you were showing me something like oh, that. It yeah. was very so, cool. So great. I showed you the Jordan. Uh, oh, one. yeah. yeah. This one's just just the basic one. If you have GarageBand, that's so much fun. And then all of a sudden, well, who's a guitar player here? And they'll come out of the audience and get them come up and just tap it on the strings. And they are all they can't make a mistake because it's already in the key. It's set to the to that key. And then I'll play with the band. And then this guy turns into a hero. And the, and he all of a sudden, he realizes what's going on. And people just get into it. And he sounds great. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's fun is to use some technology. Um that way. And there's a little accord. There's an accordion uh, or a bagpipe effect I use at the hospital with some patients that, you know, who's Scottish here? And they say, oh, I'm Scottish. Play, play me a tune. So I'll bring out this little accordion on the iPhone. And so I'll play my bagpipes for you. And they'll say, where are they? So they're right here. And I bring them out and play a little Scottish tune on there. And the Ulian pipes or alien pipes. Alien pipes. Sound pretty good. Yeah. The technology stuff that's out there is, is so good. Oh, yeah. Sampling stuff and... It's so cool. But my dad always said that one day, all this technology, there'll be a concert and some guy will push out an old piano, will bring the dust cover off it and someone will get out there and play it and the kids will be like, what is that? And I think there's something to that, getting back to that, you know. Yeah, 100%. The, the realness of just being you and that instrument, there's something just pretty honest and vulnerable about that. Yeah, so I agree. It's pretty cool. Well, Chris, Andrew, this has been a good time hanging out today. We had it lunch. Has. You, you had a great, uh, you had a great coffee. I wanted to wrap up with um, just a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this once in a while, but I, I encourage you to take anybody listening, um, wherever you are in life, if you can get some coaching around stuff that you were having to work on. And I've gone through a bit of a transformation the last um, six months, where really trying to figure out how to understand legitimacy as a musician and what that looks like. So as you know, I've been taking some coaching and everything that I do with this coach is, has been really helping me kind of get my head around why I do what I do as a musician and how I'm, and I had this great season of playing a lot of shows, but every one of the shows, except for one, every one of the shows, I was thrilled to be playing the piano again. And that's been a long time since I've been really happy playing. And a lot of it came around this question she asked me. She says, when did the illegitimate script about what you do enter into your life? I thought that was a great question. Because at some point I came to the conclusion that what we do as musicians is sort of temporary until that big gig come along. You're a manager of a, of a store or something, which isn't bad if that's what you want to do. But I spent a lot of years feeling like I was waiting for that. And so I'd, I'd go to a gig and I'd get there as soon as I could and then I'd leave and just whatever. Right, so right. now I'm taking a lot more time. I'm spending more time getting ready for the gig, going to the gig 
taken way more gear to a gig than I need. And I'm feeling a much stronger sense of legitimacy about what I do as uh, a musician. So, and I wish again, when I was younger, that I'd had that someone kind of talking to me, you know, through that. And I think it depends on how you grow up. It depends on uh, the culture you maybe grew, uh, grew up in and what that looks like and expectations or what you thought the expectations were uh, on, on your life. And so I thought, oh, maybe I should do this or go into politics. I had some, you know, some family members that were in politics and some owned companies, some were vice presidents. I thought, well, I should do these things. Those would be valid jobs. Right, Those would right. be valid things. And it was never being a mu musician. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see music in healthcare or you see being at a gig and you see how music is affecting people. Um, and you make a living playing music. And I've come, this is my season of trying to, realize this is legitimate. This is what I do. And so it's helping me get through those Januaries where I feel like I should just do something else. And so right. if you are starting out in music or you're halfway through wherever you are, uh, finding out uh, your why for music is really important. And there's lots of whys and that's going to look different for everybody. It might be for yeah. your own fulfillment, developing, it might be for reaching out to uh, an organization that you're working with or your audiences or those kinds of things. But finding your why has really helped me. And I'm starting to get more clarity on that. And the more clarity I get on it, the more satisfied I become playing and expressing myself and, you know, taking time to get up to the gigs and give it everything I have. So, yeah, that's great. Great point. Yeah. So I don't know if you chat at school with students about that and trying to really figure out what is the why. It might be making money. It might be just that. And that doesn't have to be, there's no right or wrong, but yeah, does you that have come to, into the conversation? Yeah, 100% it does. Like I always, um, especially in the first couple of years, students will be judging themselves against other right. students. And I'm like, hey, don't do that. Your purpose is going to be different than their purpose and I like the way you word it, like the why, why are you doing this? And look at it as more inspirational uh, instead of on that negative side where it's like, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so it is, I always talk about it. Yeah, it's really important. And you are what you're doing as a musician. You don't really fully understand the power you hold as a musician to affect the emotions uh, of someone, to bring hope to somebody every time. You might be having down days. Find a place to go and play. Play for free for someone. Do something. Because there's going to be someone out there that those frequencies that you're, the, just the way you arrange it that no one else can, it's going to touch their soul in a, a really special way and maybe at just the right time in their life. So if you have a gift uh, of being able to go and do that as a musician, um, don't hold it lightly. It's a beautiful thing that you offer to the world and uh, I'm thankful every day to be able to go out and play you are my sunshine or Benny and the jets. And yeah. it's going to have a, a positive effect on, on someone. So awesome. All right, Chris, kitty litter, kitty litter, Chris, kitty litter, Chris, um, you're getting the park. You'll see. Do you want to play me something? Wrap up. Sure. As you what, do the, uh, what do you, what do you feel like? I'm not going to, I'm not, sometimes I throw you under the bus. So no, throw, Oh, maybe this isn't going to work. Hang on. Okay, so Chris has moved to the piano. He said he's just going to go with it and play uh, as we wrap up here today. So thanks for listening to our sixth podcast of Keys to Life. And uh, so glad that you are able to check in with us. Um, we love to hear your feedback, uh, anything you'd like us to chat about. We love how music intersects with our world, uh, our life, our spirit, our soul, uh, physically, uh, emotionally, so many different ways. And... Um, to be able to do what Chris is doing right now, to sit down at the piano and just create something that's beautiful and in the moment, uh, I think that's beautiful. It's a beautiful gift to be able to offer. 
And whatever you do, whether it's music or art or you're an accountant or a pilot, uh, you bring a special gift to the world that not everybody can bring because they don't have your gift. They don't have your fingerprint that you bring to the world. So we hope that in 2023, what you bring to this world is legitimate from you. It's authentic because people need the thing that you bring that's unique to the thing that everybody else brings. So happy new year from me, Matt Day, and my good friend, Chris Andrew, who's going to play a little bit for you as we wrap up. And we'll see you next time on the Keys to Life podcast. Thanks, everybody. Happy New Year.